What the fuck is happening, fam? It is your boy, Dank Hill, a.k.a. Willie the Cool Penguin, a.k.a. Ned Sparks, a.k.a. Uh, President I Bakes America, Donald Blunt, the Sultan of Sativa, the Ayatollah of Indica, a.k.a. the Maestro de Magoya, also known as Lord Bonk Tomorrow. And we're here tonight with another brand spanking new episode of Let's Motherfucking Talk About It. Sunday. Uh, the Lord's Day, if you will. I will. Um, yeah. Getting into it. You already know. Smoking. Got a nice little gerant rolled up with some biscotti from Woodwide High Craft. Holla at your boy. Uh, it's fucking tasty. I'm not saying it's a 10 out of 10. But I'm giving it a solid 8. Solid 8. You know, it's it's hard to get a 10 out of 10 in my book. But solid fucking 8. Um, hold on. I need to take a little note here real quick before I start getting into shit. Um, new Game of Thrones. It's Sunday. So you already know. Ned Sparks. Yeah, boy. Um, the new series about what third episode in. I hope there's an episode tonight. It's Labor Day weekend, so I don't know if they are going to be giving us one. They'll be blessing us with a brand spanking new episode of House of the Dragon, or whatever the fuck that shit is called. The Game of Thrones shit with the new Khaleesi. That bitch is pretty bad, too. At first, I, I really was like, mm, Khaleesi. I need Khaleesi. But... Two episodes in, and I got to tell you, this new one, I'm into her. Not like, you know, in a sexual manner of an underage child, because that's fucked up. But, you know, she looks like she's going to be a fucking badass. And I'm uh, I'm pretty sure, if my memory serves me correctly, that in the original Game of Thrones series, they uh, reference, I can't even think of her name. You know what her name is, the new girl. Uh, they reference her as someone that Arya... Stark looks up to and is like, I want to be a fucking badass like her. So I think uh, I think we already know there's going to be a lot of badassery and dragon riding. I mean, if you saw the second episode, then you saw my girl show up and fucking claim that dragon's egg. She's not fucking around, dog. trying to think i got uh got another episode that um should be released now i don't know if anchor has posted it yet or if because i have shit service where i'm at right now it just has not uploaded uh by the time you're listening to this you should be listening to that uh if you could get with this then you could get with that you know um today was a good day like i said it's labor day weekend Friday, got after it, went to my man Gennaro's class. It's a great class. It's been one of my favorites since early on. I'll never forget the first time I went to that class. My old my old buddy, uh, old Nashy, Nashy Poo. Um, he was an asshole blue belt that was in the police academy. 
I've mentioned him before. And uh, he shoved his knee into my belly in a way that I had never felt before. And I tapped out. It's a white belt. It's like, you know, probably my fourth or fifth real class outside of the fundamentals classes, which I went to a bunch of the fundamentals class. It was great. Helped condition me uh, for the needs of jujitsu. And uh, then after I tapped to knee on belly, he did knee on belly where he did a quick transition to the old knee on face. And um, that right there was the motivation I needed personally to continue on in jiu-jitsu and uh, push myself to get to a point where I could choke this motherfucker out. And um, I have since, as I've, I'm sure, said before. Um, it really was was like such a um, such a great act of friendship for this guy to shove his knee directly into my face because it furthered my hatred for police while simultaneously um, requiring me to spend more time interacting with this dude. And, um, you know, as I've said before, him and I have since become solid friends. One of my favorite training partners. He recently was at the Origin Main camp and tried to uh, scare me with a threatening message from Dean Lister. But uh, while the boogeyman does intimidate me, um, I will not be rolling with him. I'm still going to be rolling with my man Nash. So just know that when we roll, when I do see you, you can get some. Uh, went, went and trained yesterday morning at Guardian, Guajin. One of my favorite fucking places, Baltimore City. I know you've heard me speak about them before. Uh, owned by my my favorite chef, uh, Carlos Raba, Chuck Raba, American citizen. Um, he is no longer Mexican. He is an American, and he's proud of it. Uh, has put in a lot of work to get there, and um, is now that he's there, he uses that. Primarily, mostly for good, you know. Uh, but he definitely, they give free jiu-jitsu lessons to kids paid for by the adult lessons. Uh, you may have recently heard them talked about on the Jaka podcast, Guardian as a whole, an organization. Um, not specifically the Baltimore location. But uh, definitely out here making waves. You know, I'm supposed to go out to Hall of Flowers next month. And um, I, I definitely am trying to make it out to Guardian, roll with my man Calder and Ben, maybe get an episode in with them. You know, Ben's a weed guy. Ben likes weed. It's California, man. 2022. People like weed. And people want to give back to their communities, okay, with jujitsu. Trained Guardian, went to their open mat, uh, got some. Uh, my buddy Rob asked me to go to Method MMA out in Bel Air. I'd never been there. Said, you know, show up. It's going to be like uh, we'll train in the gi. And then uh, at some point it'll kind of turn into no gi. I said, cool, great, sounds great. You know, at a certain point my gi gets disgusting. I'm ready to take it off anyway. Try and roll some no gi. Less grips. 
doing the damn thing, you know? So, cool. Show up, 10 a.m., and uh, there is nobody wearing a gi at all. Everyone there is of a higher level. There is a blue belt and a white belt, one. Um, I don't know the belt ranks of everybody. I do know there was black belt, Kevin. He's a black belt. It's in his name. And I'll tell you when I rolled with him for 10 minutes, every, they were doing 10-minute rounds. They reduced it from their normal 20-minute rounds. And Jesus fucking Christ, dude. Like, 20-minute rounds? First of all, what what is the point of a 20-minute round? You know, in 20 minutes, I should probably have tapped out a shit ton of times. So it's like, I'm just rolling. Is it just because I'm rolling with the same person for 20 minutes? You're really getting uh, a, a better look at their game. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I got to talk to, uh, I got to talk, talk to these guys and find out what the deal is. But I will tell you, 10 minute rounds were fucking miserable. Black belt, Kevin, um, did not allow me to move unless he wanted me to move for 10 minutes. It's miserable. There is no resting. When somebody is making a miserable roll with uh, Brown Belt, my man Louie, it's good. We uh, we really got after it. He was not nice. Every time I thought I was passing his guard, he somehow had my feet hooked for uh, ready to heel hook him. Of course, roll with my man, psychedelic athlete, Mike Turpin. Congrats on your big dub at New Breed last weekend. My man took home the, the Gi Championship belt, the No Gi Championship belt, and the Absolute belt. Three belts in one day. Killing it. You know, my guy has a very unique style. Uh, it's very psychedelic. You know, I got a little psychedelic this weekend. I've been taking my uh, micros prior to training. Get a good little dose. Uh, helps for ego reduction, for sure. Helps uh, for, you know, a little little bit of relaxing, chilling, having a good time, flowing. You know, hand fighting is a key part of jiu-jitsu when you're engaging with an opponent. And he kind of broke down some of his hand fighting style to me, which uh, was very helpful. Just because I'm always looking for uh, elements to kind of add to my game, find out some things that might work and, and people's perspective that are doing the damn thing. You know, the cool thing about jiu-jitsu, um, you know, unlike striking and a lot of stuff, it's good to have as many different coaches, as many different philosophies, uh, thought processes, because uh, you never know what kind of little details you can get from one guy that you don't get from another. Things that work for this guy might work better for you than a dude over here, you know? So it's good. And and rolling outside your normal people keeps, uh, keeps sharp. Keep you on your toes. I was very motivated today. It was good. Uh, good to take some beatings. It's very humbling, as per usual. Uh, we like that. I've been tapping a lot, trying to uh, work some new shit, figure some shit out. You know, certain people still are not going to fucking just catch me slipping. But I definitely, uh, I'm definitely working on some new shit and willing to take some risks. Learn, not get too uh, wrapped up in one one direction or another. You know, uh, this was like an open mat. 
that I went to, and usually our open mat, you may have seen me stream it live before, yeah, it's mad chill, people are just there, you're just like, hey, you want to roll, if you don't feel like rolling, you sit out, if you want to drill, you drill, you just kind of do whatever you want, it's open mat, right, the mat's just there, and you're on it, doing as you please, uh, this, I didn't have a chance to do as I please, they pretty much would partner, partner me up right away, the round would end, somebody else would already be walking over to me. You know, I had, I got neck cranked 20 times by one dude who would not stop trying to darse and guillotine me, just alternating back and forth. Guillotine, darse, guillotine, darse. Just kept falling into them motherfuckers. And, um, you know, after about 20 neck cranks, I'm, I need a, I need a little rest. Okay. I'm not, you know, if I had known this was neck crank guy, I would have maybe approached things differently. All these guys train at like 5 a.m. together every day. Hardcore, man. And they, they fucking get after it. So much respect to the dudes at Method. Uh, Mike Turping, Black Belt Kev, uh, The Outcasts, um, my man fucking ODB, Louie, uh, Josh, everybody that gave me some tough roles, uh, taught me something, uh, humbled me a bit, kept me honest, and, um, you know, had a blast. And can't wait to get back. Absolutely. You know, um, <clears throat> I've got, uh, got some cool, cool news last week. Uh, I was, I was talking to a guy in the industry that I know. If you go back in time, uh, to an older podcast episode from she about three years ago, 2019, I believe. I pulled up on the Harley. Uh, to the MPX lab. Uh, met up with my man Drew. He had invited me over there. Wanted to uh, let me in on some of the ins and outs of MPX melting point extracts. I uh, had a blast. It was cool. Um, you know, and, and shared with me not only uh, the positives and the things that, that were going well for them, but some of the opportunities for improvement, the ways they could grow and whatever. And, um, you know, I... I I don't care. I don't care to talk about the Maryland market a, a crazy amount um, as much as I once did, due to just a lot of a lot of fucking weirdos in the quote unquote community and people that, uh, you know, just do weird shit. You know, when you're dealing with fucking weirdos and weed heads, it, it just kind of is, man. You know, there's a lot of people that fit into these stereotypes and these stigmas and, and really, you know, I've literally had people like, well, you're dealing with people who have mental illness. So what do you expect? It's like, bitch, I expect you not to be a fucking weirdo. Like, I mean, be a weirdo in your normal, regular self, like be who you are, but like, don't do weird shit. And, um, you know, it's like, I don't like being, told what's good by a bunch of people who are like new to this world right like I've been putting my life on the line for the plants since I was fucking 15 years old been smoking since I was 13 you know like it's a, this is something that's important to me right I was learning about endocannabinoid receptor systems when I was 18, 19 on fucking YouTube and my man fucking Hillbilly Millie Shout out to my man. 
you know, he fucking, he's had a lot of blessings in his life lately. And so I, it's, I'm glad I could shut him out. Um, you know, been calling this shit medicine since before people called it medicine. Always been searching out the highest quality weed, trying to find different shit that helps with the the ailments that I struggle through on a day on the daily. You know, and there's no fucking, there's no like virtue in touting off about all your fucking mental illness and your physical illness, right? The fucking uh, the virtue is in over fucking coming that shit. The virtue is not letting that shit run your life and dictate your life. You know, the value of who you are comes from your ability to persevere through that shit. Um, but I digress. And some melting point extracts. Um, my buddy Drew has since left, and I think a couple of people from MPX, from what I understand, left. And they went over to SunMets. Right, for those who don't know, in the Maryland world, uh, MPX did a, a lot, if not all, the majority of SunMed processing. You know, some of the things I've heard about the su- samples that SunMed sent in were less than reputable, to say the least, to be nice about it. And, uh, but MPX... Since they had no license of their own as far as an ability to cultivate flour for extraction as they do in – they have in other states such as Nevada and Arizona, I believe. Um, what they did was they contracted some space out from the SunMeds facility, right? SunMeds apparently bananas huge, biggest shit in the fucking state. I think, don't hold me to that, you know, somebody listening hopefully can get that information and let me know. Maybe I'll source it myself and let you know later. Um, I need to take a note to do that. Sunmed, is it the biggest? Um... But yeah, my man Drew reached out to me, formerly of Melting Point Extracts, friend of the Let's Talk About It podcast, reached out to me and said, hey man, when do you want to come to SunMed? Check it out. And I said, whenever you'll have me, brother. So, um, you know, next week, not this week, coming up, following week, I'm going to take a little trip out, a little journey to uh, to the shore and, and go out to SunMed. You know, and, and me and Drew, Drew's not like my BFF or anything. He's a friend of Let's Talk About a Podcast. He's an OG. He's been around uh, the scene a long time. Uh, he, uh, I believe, I would like to believe that he wants to be transparent and he wants to let a real one in, show me around, right? I'm going to see if I can bring a videographer. Right, I've heard a lot of disgruntled ex-employees, right? You know, I'm, I'm a man of business. I've worked in retail. I know what it is for people who quit or get fired. They love to talk shit afterwards. <coughs> so while 
there can definitely be some validity to the complaints. There's also times where that shit is totally, totally not true. And um, I'd love to give some med the benefit of the doubt. I think it's important. Um, I think that no matter what your thoughts are, right? Because I particularly, in my time and and supporting the Maryland cannabis market, have only had SunMed products a, a couple of times, less than a handful of times. And that's because I prefer a higher quality product. And not to say that, you know, it's just mids and write it off. Right? Mids have an important place in the cannabis world. Right? I'd be lying if I said that everything I smoked was absolutely top shelf. It's not. Shit is expensive. I got three fucking kids. Right? But I'm selective on my midgillers. Okay? Very selective. Uh, but there are sometimes, man, some of that shit can get you higher than a fucking, than the endo. Right? You can't fucking discount the midgillers. So, um, and I know some Ed, they are one of, like I said, one of the largest producers volume wise. That I'm, I know is a fact. So I'm, I'm assuming that their facility is the largest, I guess. Now, if we're going to think about it logically, damn sure ain't going to get emotional about it. You know, and so this will be uh, yet another facility. The facilities I've checked out, uh, my experiences. I've been to G Leaf. I went there with my man D Rock of Extreme Turp Support, local Baltimore-based CBD company. Always, my man D Rock always sourcing some of the best products available. And um, definitely a dude that's an OG, been around a long time, put his life on the line for the plant. I would say support him. You know, buy from Extreme Terps. It's not an ad. He's not paying me to say that I'm saying that on my own, off the strength. Because that's my man. If you need a good CBD product, D-Rock will get you squared up. And I'm sure if you had any issues, you have to make sure you're well taken care of. So me, him, my girl, Terpy Tree. My man, Terpy News. Um, I don't know where the fuck he's at, but I miss him. Rory, if you're out there, please reach out. Please. I miss you, bud. Um, If you don't know Terpy News, please go back and listen to some of my podcasts. Um, I can tell you, you can message me and I'll send you some shit. But that guy, uh, he caused an uproar in the Maryland cannabis world. Uh, Many times over. Uh, you know, with fighting for transparency and clean cannabis. And I can't fault him for that. In fact, him and I have been very tight, but I think, and now, you know, I can't be certain, right? I don't want to be just conspiracy minded. Let's say our tour got cut short, right? Our tour got cut short. And I don't want to say it's because. They found out that Terpy News was in the building. But it is very, very possible. Now, they will say, they did say, what they said was that there was an MMCC visit coming up this week. And uh, something was up and they needed to shut it down. They needed to shut the tour down. I don't remember exactly. They needed to shut it down. So they shut us down. So we all fucking had to leave. We were about halfway through the tour. Uh, like I said, 
I, I very much think it was Terpy News related, but who knows? Who knows? Um, I've been to Colta, the Colta facility, on multiple occasions. I've been out there just to see the lab and get a really in-depth tour with my homegirl, Michelle, and the all-women Colta lab. Um, I don't know if it's all women anymore, um, but it was at one point. That was cool, if you're into that stuff. Um, I've been out there to see the indoor, you know, I've been out there to see the indoor with the LED rooms, which is the most recent visit. Um, I've been out there to see some of the outdoor harvest, uh, the first Maryland outdoor harvest out on the shore, baby. Um, they weren't anything special, but you know, it's, it's cool to see fucking six foot weed plants getting chopped down, fucking all the hard work being put in, you know, again, outdoor got a place, you know, you need your seed weed, <laughs> you know, you could have gotten hella genetics from fucking that culture outdoor. And I know a lot of people that did. Uh, so that's good, man. That's good. That's real good. Um, been to Colton many times. You already know, uh, Mackie, friend of the, the Let's Talk About It podcast, has easily the most controversial episode since, uh, in it, he, uh, he drops a, uh, a hard R. And not in any sort of, before you get your fucking panties in a wad, you're going to say, oh, Mackie's a racist. Mackie's a racist. He had a hard R. Lord Bongsmore said it on his podcast. Go back and listen to the episode. I think it might be number five. Uh, a cultivating conversation with Maggie Barch. Uh, and listen to the context. Context is key, right? It's something that we don't often um, we don't often look at in today's society, right? And that's why it's important when you're looking at a headline that you understand the full context and that you do some extra research. Don't just fucking stop there. Do some research. Right? Don't just listen to what I just say. Go find it out for yourself. Go discover it. Right? This is a place where you should learn something or hear something that you didn't know and say either either say, "Damn, that's fucking crazy. Let me go try and find this shit." Right? Or you say it like, "Damn, this dude's fucking crazy." I I got to I got to find this or 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 find out if this is fake or what. Uh but either way, don't just fucking listen to me. I'm just some schmuck. Right? What the fuck do I know? I'm just trying to put it together the best that I can. You know, through the various places that I go to to find shit. And it's not always the same place, but it's a variety of places. I look at what's coming up on different search engines. What's being hidden. What's being pushed down. Suppressed. You know, shadow banning is real. And while if you listen to the new Rogan, Mark Zuckerberg tries to deny it, you know, he's like, well, he doesn't deny it, but he says in a very fucking nice way that, yeah, that shit fucking happens. I mean, I can tell you there have been times where my views have gone down to fucking less than 10% uh, of, of what they were at, you know on a, a daily story, right? I know algorithms change, shit changes, but there's certain shit that 
You know, it's like, damn, I've posted it all to see. Um, yeah, man. Um, one of the things uh, I've been, I've been thinking about is, um, you know, and I think I talked about it on the last podcast, touched on it. Uh, they're talking about moving weed to schedule two, move, reclassifying it from a schedule one narcotic to schedule two, right? And if you're unfamiliar, excuse me, what? Schedule 2 is versus Schedule 1. Schedule 2, they're talking about drugs that have a potential for medicinal use but are still highly abusable. Right? And uh, so I figured what I would do, I would come on here because a lot of people aren't, I haven't seen anybody really talking about it. Um, yeah, I figured I would I would let you know kind of some of the ins and outs of, of what would happen if cannabis does get bumped to a Schedule 2, right? Because you're saying, well, that's got to be better than a Schedule 1, right? We know that no medicinal use is bullshit. We know that it's bullshit, right? Anybody that is a cannabis user knows no medicinal use, bullshit. There's medicinal use, okay? Motherfucker, okay? We know it. We're not fucking idiots, okay? And we live this shit. You can't write off the anecdotal evidence. You know? Do we need studies? Yeah, we fucking need them. Sure. Um, But some of the other Schedule 2, right? If cannabis were moved to Schedule 2, it would then uh, be in the same category as drugs such as Adderall. Right, aka methamphetamine. I think maybe the label is just amphetamine, but there's like really only like a one or two molecule difference of like biker street meth and Walter White fucking rock candy blue meth versus you know them little fucking balls inside the Adderall pill, you know, or Vivance or whatever other shit you take. I've seen a dude snort riddling. That shit is crazy. Um, cocaine. Cocaine is a Schedule 2. Right? And if you're saying, whoa, dude, cocaine, medical use, what the fuck? Yeah, well, again, I think I recently talked about it in either the last episode or a couple episodes ago. In Colombia, you can get your med card to have like a thousand coca plants. And and that that's an absolute fact. Maybe not a thousand co- plants. It might be a thousand. I swear I heard that it was a thousand. This was like some years ago. I don't know what type of shit, bureaucratic bullshit they got going on now, right? But you know, essentially there, the coca leaf, they're fucking. It's like you know, people chew on it. They just like fucking pick the leaves off and like chew them, motherfuckers. Now, I don't know what the effects are from doing that exactly. I haven't done a lot of research or it's not easily accessible in the front of my brain where I can just pull it out and tell you right now without looking it up or doing a short Google search. But in the time when I was doing cocaine, I'm pretty sure I've looked that up. Um, Oxycontin is a Schedule 2 narcotic. Oxycontin. 
You know, now I don't know if you're familiar with Oxycontin. Um, Oxycontin, Xanax bars. Uh, Xanax bars. I was going to start going into lines from a little white song. If you don't know it, Oxycontin. Scarecrow, scarecrow, what's such a pop and a powerful pill they call Oxycontin? Yeah, Oxy. Go look up Dope Sick. Go fucking in your uncle's basement or the basement that your uncle lives in. Talk to him. He knows. Uh, listen to me. I've told you I probably still have some T-shirts in in my mo- a box in my mom's house that have little blue fucking stains down by the fucking seam of my shirt from fucking rubbing off that uh, time release coating to fucking bust that bitch down. Um, but yeah, I digress yet again. Um, so yeah, while they have a high potential for abuse, some may have medical benefit, um, which is, you know, if it's scheduled to, that means they can use federal funds to do some research, you know, and they can upgrade, they might actually be able to use some real weed rather than like the fake tea that they use, you know, like, or whatever shit it is, go look up like the Oklahoma research facility, the weed that they are researching, it is not weed, I'm telling you, said it before, I'll say it again. Uh, but they can use federal funds to research. Um, the FDA can approve for prescription. Uh, Schedule 2 can lift some um, like bureaucratic uh, hurdles that are in the way of federal research. So it's good. You know? Um, they could even potentially make a some synthetic THC-based pharmaceutical treatment that may or may not be as effective as just regular old cannabis controlled by regular old cannabis dudes. Um, but reclassifying definitely doesn't address uh, the state-federal conflicts. Uh, states don't have any legal flexibility to establish their own regulatory fucking policies around Schedule II substances. You know, only the FDA can approve Schedule II drug, uh, which can also only be attained at a licensed pharmacy with a prescription. And, um, you know, I mean, to me, that sounds like it could do more harm than good because um, no state's current cannabis laws uh, would meet the Schedule Two requirements um, of fucking needing a pharmacy license. Because if you can only uh, obtain a Schedule Two drug from a licensed pharmacy, then every medical dispensary is going to need to get a pharmacy license, which also means they're going to need a... Um, you know, like approvals, which apparently the pharmacy licenses are very difficult to get. And you're also going to need an approval from the DEA um, for compliance and, and, and everything else. So literally, um, now if you're, you're talking about recreational cannabis, apparently would be unaffected 
100%. Uh, imagine that. So where they're collecting uh, a lot of tax revenue, um, it would be unaffected. Not that they're not collecting tax revenue on the med side, but there is less, substantially. Um, and no, uh, every single state in the country that has a medical program is going to completely rework it. And um, that's going to be at an, an insane cost for the state. There's no way around that. Uh, you know, Schedule 2 cannabis is also going to slow everything down at the federal level. In regards to like decriminalization, getting people out of jail, federal legalization, right? We got it as a Schedule 2. How can we federally legalize it? Right? They want to regulate the fuck out of it. Right, you start getting rid of the medical element, right? Which, if you look in a lot of states, uh, medical programs have been on the decline since uh, recreational cannabis has come into play for these states. And with that being the case, you know, I can't imagine that here or anywhere else is going to be any different. Now they're saying we'll be wreck in, you know, the next two years year or two, 2023, maybe, you know, so it wouldn't be affected, but it would if these states have recreational cannabis and it's going to be at an insane cost for the state to have to like rework their entire medical program and companies that are medical dispensaries are going to have to go through all this bullshit with the DEA and obtaining pharmaceutical licenses, like pharmacy licenses, along with obtaining their dispensary license and paying to maintain their dispensary license, paying to maintain their pharmacy license, paying to maintain their relationship with the DEA, on top of all of the fucking taxes that they're not able to fucking fully claim and tax benefits of most normal businesses they're not able to get it's just not going to be worth it for them to have a medical program any longer. Which then leaves us with a solely recreational program, which some states will have regulated with their alcohol by the state as the state being the sole provider, right? Pharmacies uh, that already have pharmaceutical licenses would potentially, I could see, get in the game. CBS got all the weed. They already got CBD products. Why wouldn't they get the weed products? You know, if it's a schedule two, right? Again, another way to kick out small businesses, right? It's big way to help multi-state fucking operators, right? Tax revenue from the legal industry goes to the to fucking policing the legacy market. You know, it's 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 really hard now. You know, and I say that, and I always have to fucking I always have to give the caveat, right? The dispensary is convenient. It's helpful. There are times where your guy can't get to you. You know, their grandma doesn't want to go to the pop-up down in D.C. and get some fucking bunk because some dude is bullshitting because he doesn't give a fuck about anything other than a dollar, right? The fucking, you know, yeah, the bud tender's an idiot, but he's friendly and he genuinely cares about the fucking weed and wants to be helpful more often than not. And they're probably going to give a better experience to grandma than most vendors at a pop-up. It's just a fact, unfortunately. Um, so, you know, like I said, there's elements that are good, but it is really hard 
You know, it's like, I would recommend that you're spending, you got an 80, 20 rule. 80% of your money is going to uh, your legacy guy. Uh, 20% is the dispensaries, right? Because, well, fuck them. That's why. Um, yeah, so I think uh, that might be everything that I have in regards to um, the reclassifying, which again, I don't know how that address is releasing everyone from prison who is still locked up for crime, right? We need not forget that while Kamala Camelotoe Harris is talking about Brittany Griner being locked up in Russia is so senseless and it's unfair. I just can't help but think about the thousands of people that she locked up as a California prosecutor, district attorney, or whatever the fuck she was. Right? Which it is on record she like has some of the most weed fucking lockups in the history of fucking locking up people for weed. Bullshit, dude. Them people don't give a fuck about you. I know you saw Joe Biden's fucking Joe Biden speech where, like, yo, it was like, did the Third Reich and fucking the Soviet Union have a child and it was Joe Biden's speech? Bro, they're talking about the threats to democracy of the MAGA Republicans. It's like, no, motherfucker, you're the threat to democracy. Like, they're already doing it. They're trying to go cashless. They're talking about central fucking centralized digital dollar within the next year. Oh, yeah. Cashless, baby. Where's my man? I got the receipts, bro. Where's my man? You're a fucking idiot. We're not going cashless. They're not trying to go cashless. Bitch, I said this shit three years ago. The beginning of the fucking pandemic in 2019. You know, it plays right into the Great Reset, the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab. The motherfucker wrote a book about it called COVID-19 and the Great Reset. Well, look it up. Read it. If you still don't know who Klaus is, Klaus. You know, I can't fucking help you, man. You gotta look him up, dude. You gotta see what's going on. One world government. The shit is not new. The idea is not new. These people are playing on a different chessboard than you and me. It's a big club and we're not in it. You know, that Biden speech was crazy. It was like all just rhetoric about Republicans. And like, first of all, Republicans are the same as Democrats. It's not different. It's all the uniparty. Second of all, um, they just are fucking... You know, this shit is fucking insane. I don't know if that was a Joe Biden robot. I don't know what the fuck. My man in Secret Service, I asked him, I was like, yo, what's up with the Joe Biden robot? He said it's easier to fucking protect. And I couldn't tell if he was joking or not. But I like felt like I couldn't like ask him. Because they'd be like, nah, nah, dude, what the fuck? I don't know. He said, leave it at that. I'm going to take quick water break. Uh, slap myself in the face, get re-motivated. Uh, I'm going to dive in. It's time for a little monkeypox update. I found an article from a month ago. There's some shit I want to talk about. Give me a second. I'm going to be right back at it.
All right, and I'm back. I'm grounded. Took a little stretch. Got off the phone for a minute. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and before I get into uh, my next little segment here, I was perusing the gram for a minute, eating a little snack. Level one bar. Chocolate mint cookie. Delish. Get some. Um... And I was cruising, and I saw a little video on one of my conservative homegirls' pages, and uh, she posts a lot of shit. And it was like a Trump route. It was in Wilkes Bar, Barry, however they pronounce it, Pennsylvania. Same week, back to back. A Trump rally, which was like literally jam packed a whole stadium, and a Biden rally that was like you know like a, a half full um like gym you know like at a fucking school for like a oh, what are those fucking things called damn it not a concert um they're like oh there's a blah blah today what the fuck do they call those things i don't know i don't remember but you know Not like a pep rally. It was it was like a pep rally, except I feel like the pep rallies I went to were way more packed than this Biden fucking speech. People were, were a little too fired up after his speech last week, since we were just talking about him speaking, you know. Um, but yeah, let's dive. Let's dive into uh, uh, you know the the monkeypox. So I don't know if you uh, listened a couple episodes back. Been talking about the monkeypox a little bit, and um, you know, there's there's definitely early on. I I didn't want to jump right down the. This is like a gay people only thing, um, you know, because it was like that was pretty much like some Fox News shit. Was like, look out for gay people with monkeypox, and then you know you start seeing like the vaccine for monkeypox, which came out awfully quickly. It's only available to like gay and trans people and people who are bisexual and like have sex with their dog because some there's been cases apparently of the dogs getting the anal fucking warts lesions whatever the fuck you want to call them lumps fucking i don't know um I'm not laughing at anybody that has the monkeypox. I'm just laughing at the idea of what to call those things that are around these people's buttholes uh, and dogs, apparently. Um, so, you know, uh, I posted up uh, one of, like I said, one of these episodes has some statistical data from, like, the Department of Health of California on some of what their, uh, you know, numbers were. I went to find that article for somebody has literally disappeared off the internet. Like I found I found it in my like search results and when I clicked it it was like page not available. Like you know when you search Google it's got like kind of the preview of what's going on, on the page. Yeah, that was there. I clicked on the shit. It was purple because I clicked it before. Clicked it, it said like 404 page not found. Like try again later. Error. 
shit has not changed over the past few days. That data is gone. I wish I took a screenshot of it, but I did talk about it. So, hey. Um, so now, I mean, now this article that I found when I was looking up, trying to find, like I said, this information, um, you know, uh, refined like the stats. I wanted to give somebody some stats. I like to give them the stats. And uh, so I was trying to give them the stats. I couldn't find them, but I did find this article. It was put out by NPR, National Public Radio. Oh, let me find it. Um, it's in my, here we go. Myths, misconceptions, and facts about monkeypox and how you can catch it. I'm going to give you some brief synopses here. I'm going to read some, give you just some of the finer points. Uh, monkeypox outbreak has grown rapidly in the U.S. back in early July. Country only had about 500 cases, jumped over to 7,000. This article is from August 5th, by the way. Outbreak has grown. So is the confusion about the virus and how it spreads and who is currently at high risk for becoming infected. Can you catch it, say, on a crowded bus or airplane from trying on clothes in a thrift shop from the bathroom counter? Is everyone at equal risk? Several myths and misconceptions have cropped up around these questions. There's a lot of conflicting information and guidance. We're here to debunk a few of those myths. So we got myth busters on fucking NPR. Question one. Is it accurate to think of monkeypox as a sexually transmitted disease? Answer. Yes. It says yes. Period. Double spaced. And here's what it says. Sexual contact is not the only way it is transmitted. We'll discuss the other ways below. But multiple lines of evidence indicate... I'm going to change this to reader view. Hold on. Hold on. Can I do that? Why is it not giving me the reader view option? Yay. Okay. So I can't do reader view. Um, here we go. Sexual conduct is not the only way it's transmitted. We'll discuss the other ways below. Multiple lines of evidence indicate that during this outbreak, the primary way the virus is spreading is through close physical contact during sex, in particular sexual encounters among people who have anal sex. Right now, about 98% of monkeypox cases are in queer and gay folks and are sexual networks. Of course, that includes trans and non-binary folks, says Justin Osmondson a biologist at New York University who identifies as queer and is helping to lead the effort to stop the outbreak. First of all, I hate, it just grinds my gears when people say folks instead of like people or, you know, whatever. They're folks. It's like some fucking goofy ass white lady in... Her fucking farmhouse came up with that shit. Oh, yeah, the queer and gay folks. Bitch, shut the fuck up. Um, But this is a biologist at NYU who identifies as non-binary. Do we live in a clown world? Like, can somebody please just come over here and honk my fucking nose? Because Joseph Osmondson, who I'm going to have to look up as I'm quoting him, 
He is a biologist at NYU, New York University. The prestigious NYU. Ah, fuck. Oh, yeah, identifies as queer, not non-binary. Um, sexual contact is not the only way monkeypox is spread, points out infectious disease doctor Susan McClellan of University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston, Texas. But she agrees with Osmondson. It is by far most likely the way in this current outbreak so far. Epidemiological data for the outbreak in Western Europe and the U.S. makes that clear, she says. We're not detecting many cases in kids and individuals who aren't sexually active. We're detecting cases mostly in individuals from networks with a lot of sexual encounters. In one study published in the New England Journal of Medicine, which, you know, as far as recognized studies go, they're legit, I guess. Researchers at the Queen Mary uh, University of London analyzed records for about 500 cases of monkeypox in the 16 countries during this outbreak. In 95% of the cases, the person most likely caught the virus through sexual contact. More than 70% of the people had lesions around the genital. You do call them lesions. On or around the genitals or anus. Lesions in those locations suggest contact in that region and spread through sexual encounters. So what they're saying there is that in 95% of the cases, the person most likely caught the virus through sexual contact. More than 70% of the people had lesions on or around their genitals or anus. So you're talking about buttholes with lesions, dicks with lesions, nutsacks with lesions, gooches with lesions. Um, Because those lesions in those locations suggest contact in that region, spread through sexual encounters. Why else would they be around your anus if somebody's monkeypox dick is not around it, you know? You gotta put the monkeypox dick around the monkeypox, the non-monkeypox anus for it to become. Anyway, um, this week, the World Health Organization presented data with a similar trend. In a study of more than 3,900 people infected with monkeypox, the agency found that about 90% of them contracted the disease through a sexual encounter. And when you understand how the disease spreads, the sexual transmission makes sense. Monkeypox causes lesions on the skin or mucous membranes. That's the moist lining inside body cavities, such as your mouth, nose, and anus. Those lesions are filled with infectious virus. And when the lesions rub up against another person's skin or mucous membranes, the virus can be transmitted, especially if the uninfected skin is damaged or broken. Oh, your poor, broken-skinned... Rectum. Uh, in this way, sexual intercourse is an efficient way to transmit monkeypox, McClellan says, because you're grinding skin together a lot. And it often skin with hair follicles, which are an entryway for the virus. Damn. Shave dick. Uh, now it is unknown for the virus spreads directly through semen. What? Now it is still unknown if the virus spreads directly through semen. But there's growing evidence showing that route is likely. Shut the fuck up, dude. Your jizz can have monkeypox in it? Dude. Scientists from Italy and Spain have found monkeypox virus in the semen of infected people. And in another study, 
published Tuesday in the Lancet, infectious diseases, scientists demonstrated the monkeypox virus from semen can infect human cells. But, and this is a key point, monkeypox doesn't spread only during sexual contact. It can spread a few other routes. More on that in the next sections of the story. So it's not an STD, not just an STD. It's more than that, says Dr. Jay Varma Wednesday on Twitter. I've heard twice today in public events, we need to combat the misinformation that monkeypox is an STI, wrote Varma, who's an epidemiologist at Wheel Cornell Medicine. This is not misinformation. Sexual transmission is almost certainly contributing to this outbreak. Misinformation is saying transmission is exclusively sexual. Okay, thank you. Question two on Twitter and TikTok. And in casual conversation, I hear people worried about getting monkeypox from a handshake or even touching someone with a, at a music festival or on a bus or even from an airplane seat. What are the risks for monkeypox this way? Here's where there's been a lot of confusion. Yes, it's possible to catch monkeypox, transmit non-sexually. There are examples where people catch the virus through face-to-face interactions with someone or by touching a contaminated surface. But data from this outbreak shows these routes of transmission are extremely rare in public settings. And when they do occur, it most likely happens when you live with an infected person, says Susan McCollin. During this outbreak, there will probably be at least one random case where somebody gets it on a bus. But, you know, that's going to be profoundly rare, profoundly rare, probably less likely than being hit by that bus, she says. If monkeypox were easily transmitted on the subway on buses, we'd be seeing it more among very different population than almost purely among the population where transmission is occurring mostly during close, intimate contact. They're really dancing around it there, you know what I mean? The virus doesn't spread well through these non-sexual routes data show. For example, in this current outbreak, only about 0.2, I'll repeat that number, 0.2 of people infected have caught the virus from a contaminated surface. That is two-tenths of one percent. Two-tenths. Almost, if you were, if this was math class and you were doing fractions and you had to either round up or round down to the nearest number, you would round down to zero. You would not round up even to 0.5 of one percent, one half of one percent. You would round down to zero. People infected have caught the virus from a contaminated surface, the WHO reported this week. I mean, who trusts the World Organization, World Health Organization? I don't want to be like, hey, I don't trust them with COVID data, but now I trust them with monkeypox data. But this is just what we have. And, um, you know, so we're going to go with it. In general, to catch the virus through a non-sexual route, you need prolonged exposure to the virus or exposure to a large amount of virus, says infectious disease specialist. Dr. Peter Chin Hong of the University of California, San Francisco, literally takes hours of repeatedly touching the virus on surfaces or breathing in particles to get infected. Or you would have to rub vigorously against another person's skin or mucous membranes, Chin Hong says. You would have to brush up against them like a scrubbing brush. <laughs> I'm just imagining somebody rubbing up on the lesions, the rectal lesions of an infected monkeypox rectum like a scrubbing brush. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dr. Chin Hong really gave a good visual there. Um, you'd have to rub vigorously against another person's skin or mucous membranes, Chin Hong says. You'd have to brush against them like a scrubbing brush. 
to then make an abrasion in your skin that the monkeypox can enter. So you'd have to literally rub up against the uh, the monkeypox rectum until you chafed yourself raw and uh, gave the what I would assume the lesions would have to pop if you're if you're rubbing that vigorously against an infected monkeypox anal lesion, then you're absolutely ripping it up. There's no fucking way you're not. So you're rubbing this so vigorously like a scrubbing brush until you give your you chafe yourself to the point where you have raw open skin where there's potentially even blood because that's where it's going to be open enough for this popped uh leaky monkeypox lesion can then get into your skin non-sexually which Rubbing vigorously against somebody's rectum uh, is pretty sexual. So we'll say for the sake of the example, it was like their arm, right? Had the lesion that you were rubbing vigorously against. Um, Still, weird. Uh, But he's basically, to me, that says, you know, you got to do a really a whole fucking lot uh, of like physical contact that, um, you know, to not be like, to not catch monkeypox from fucking. Um, so you're not going to catch monkeypox through casual contact with a contaminated service or infected person, Chin Hong says. You're not going to get it while trying to get a jacket on at the thrift store or brushing against somebody with a monkeypox rash on a bus at a festival or sitting on a seat on a plane where the previous occupant was infected. Even if you're living with a person infected with monkeypox, your risk of catching the disease is surprisingly low, says biologist Joseph Osmondson. Preliminary data with a small number of cases found the chance of spreading monkeypox to a household member, not through sex, is only about 0.6%. So, yeah, you would round up to 1%, I guess, if you're rounding, but it's like, it's still a stretch. You know, it's a far roundup. I think that percentage may be a little low. And will rise as we get more data, says Osmondson. But household transmission rates for this strain in, in endemic countries, that is, countries where the virus is entrenched, is still only about 3%. And we're talking about sharing a bathroom with a person who's known to be infected in your home. By comparison, the chance of spreading SARS-CoV-2 within the home is more than 40%, studies have found. So this demonstrates how much less contagious monkeypox is compared to COVID. Oh, thanks, fucking NPR. Question. Do we have an idea when a person is infectious and most likely to spread the disease? CDC and prevention breaks the course disease into three possible phases. Three possible phases. So they don't fucking know. The incubation period. This is when someone is infected but isn't feeling sick yet. We don't know clearly if people are infectious at this point. As I just said, we don't fucking know. Flu-like symptom phase. Huh. Wait, are we talking about COVID or are we talking about monkeypox? Some people start to feel a bit sick. They might have a headache. They might have a fever. And a person is likely, is possibly contagious during this phase, the CDC says. Okay, so there's a flu-like symptom phase, potentially. And the CDC has no fucking clue if this is a contagious phase. 
the rash stage. In the third phase, lesions appear on the skin. I don't like that they keep calling them lesions. I've said lesions so many times in this episode that I'm feeling sick to my stomach even just thinking about them anymore. The uh, rectal lesions are no longer sparking joy. They are sparking uh, sickness in the stomach. Third stage, lesions appear on the skin or inside the mouth, nose, ears, or nose, eyes, or anus. Oh, on the eyes? No. No. You got dick in your eye or fucking butthole in your eye, and then you got a lesion on there, bro. That's so sad. Uh, Like, really sad. Um, A person is definitely contagious at this stage, the CDC says. Okay, so... We went from possibly we don't fucking know, possibly we don't fucking know, to person is definitely contagious at this stage. Got it. Rash stage. Look out. So for now, if you're showing any monkeypox symptoms, whether fever or rash, guidance is to isolate for two to four weeks. Stay away from people and pets in the home. Current data suggests people can spread monkeypox from the time symptoms start until all symptoms have resolved, including full healing of the rash with formation of a fresh layer of skin. If you do need to leave the house, cover the lesions with clothing, bandages, or gloves. Wear a mask because there's a remote chance of spread in prolonged phase. Shut the fuck up. Mask. Question four. What are some reasonable precautions? First off, assess your personal risk assessment. Assess the assessment, doctors and scientists say. Figure out if you are currently a person at high risk. Right now, this virus is spreading primarily in gay and bisexual men and trans people. Trans folks? Uh, The most cases are found in uh, people who have sex with multiple partners. So if you're a member of this group, number one thing you do is get vaccinated as soon as you can. Of course, get fucking vaxxed up. Yo, you could get your, your fucking COVID, your double COVID, your booster, your flu shot, your shingles, your uh, MMR DTAP, your fucking monkey box. Get them all. Get all 20 shots. Get 20 shots a year. Get them all. Just fucking get them all. Uh, And if you can't get the vaccine, because right now supply is limited, you can still protect yourself. If you're part of queer sexual networks, acknowledge those networks are at a really high risk for monkeypox, he says. Limited access to vaccines. People need to be aware. High-risk encounters, blah, blah, blah. There's encounters with folks you don't know well, uh, whom you can't have conversations with about risk or encounters at places where you meet people for sex. 30% of cases are associated with gay saunas or places where folks meet for gay sex. All right, guess no more gay saunas for me. Uh, And he emphasizes, if you aren't part of the gay and queer sexual networks, your risk right now is low. Uh, We don't understand why the virus is currently not spreading in heterosexual, social, and sexual networks right now, Osmondson explains. Still, though, you should be aware and thoughtful when going to places where you do have a lot of physical touch. And look out for the bisexual men, because apparently it could be in their semen. If you have symptoms that match those of monkeypox, such as a fever followed by a rash, go see your doctor and ask to be tested, he says. Dude, that shit is so vague. A rash. Fever and a rash. Like, are we talking about the monkeypox lesions or just like any rash? Uh, You should be able to get tested now because the tests are more widely available than they were back in May and June. Let me guess, Bill Gates is about to buy a monkeypox testing company. Um, back then he says only men who had sex with men could receive the monkeypox test. Okay. Um, then, um, that's pretty much it on that. I also saw, uh, when I was looking through that list, 
that um, fecal transplant treatments could transmit monkeypox, the FDA warns. And uh, if you're anything like me, uh, you might be asking, what in the actual fuck is a fecal transplant? Um, if I, I, I'm usually pretty good with context clues. My context clues there uh, led me to believe that this was some sort of operation where they took someone's shit and transplanted it in with your shit. Um, I think I saw South Park on this, so my thought was I think it's a, a gut biome situation, uh, which we can get into that in a second. Uh, but what is a fecal transplant? Everything you need to know. Fecal transplant. So when a doctor transplants feces from a healthy donor into a, another person to restore the balance of bacteria in their gut. You got fucked up gut bacteria because you don't drink water. You eat acidic foods all day. Shit. Fucking processed bullshit foods all day. Not to say that I don't eat some, but not all day. Every day. I eat a lot of good fucking real food. Um... Balance of bacteria in the gut. Fecal transplants may help gastrointestinal infections and other conditions. Digestive system depends on beneficial bacteria to absorb nutrients and digest food efficiently. Get you some motherfucking OptiGreens 50 and some Microfactor and some OptiGreens, OptiReds 50. Uh, digest food efficiently, but some medical conditions and antibiotics can destroy these good bacteria. Uh, I actually recently had to do a run of antibiotics. I had no issues because I was doubling down on my OptiGreens dosage. And my fucking microfactor. I didn't have a fucked up stomach at all. It was great. No Gordon Ryan issues over here. Other names for a fecal transplant include bacteriotherapy and fecal microbiota transplantation. In this article, learn how fecal transplants work and which conditions they can treat. We also cover possible risks of the procedure. Uh, it The fecal transplant from a healthy donor encourages the recipient's body to grow healthful bacteria which can cure some infections and reduce severity of certain gut health problems. The gut is home to a del delicate balance of millions of bacteria. Uh, when these bacteria become unbalanced, a person can develop diarrhea and other intestinal problems. In some cases, the antibiotics treat infections and in the gut also kill off helpful bacteria. For example, 20% of people who take antibiotics for Clostridium difficile, a common bacterial stomach infection that causes diarrhea, develop that condition again. This recurrence may be due to the antibiotics disrupting the gut microbiome, in which case reintroducing good bacteria using a fecal transplant may help. Bro, get you some OptiGreens 50 and get you some fucking Microfactor and get you some Greek yogurt and some kombucha and you'll be good to go. Get all sorts of good fucking bacteria in your gut, you fucking shit-eating fuck. Um, another approach involves injecting liquid feces via an enema rather than using a colono a colonoscope oh, oh shit i missed the fucking shit oh my god i i scrolled too far ahead a doctor will carefully screen fecal transplant donors to ensure that their gut and feces are healthy they will test them for various diseases such as hepatitis in most cases a doctor will deliver the donor feces so what they're saying is, um, you know, uh, Fred needs a fecal transplant. 
Uh, I'm a fecal donor for some fucking weird reason. And they think my shit, uh, which that's what fecal matter is. It's shit, if you didn't know. My shit is a good match for fucking Fred. And, um, you know, the doctor takes the feces uh, to the recipient through a colonoscope, which is a small flexible tube they can insert into the colon through the rectum. Uh, People usually take sedative drugs before the procedure so they will not feel any pain or discomfort. Another approach involves injecting liquid feces. Liquid shit via an enema, rather, using a colonoscope. Fecal transplants originated in ancient Chinese medicine more than 1,700 years ago. In the past, the procedure involved drinking a liquid suspension of another person's feces. Drinking a liquid suspension? What the fuck, dude? Drinking a liquid suspension of another person's feces. What kind of testing were they doing 1,700 years ago in ancient fucking China? I mean, like, now you can do all sorts of, like, analyzing of the shit sample prior to injecting it via colonoscope or liquid fecal uh, injection via uh, (laughs) fucking enema, right? 1,700 years ago, though, they couldn't test shit. What the fuck are they testing the shit with? Like... You're drinking a liquid suspension of another person's feces. A up, I I stopped. Here's the next sentence. A highly risky technique. Okay. Spot on. Uh, Today's fecal transplants are sterile and safe. And there is a growing body of research to support their use. So ancient China had the, the right idea, but the liquid suspension just ain't it, bruh. For real, for real. Um, yeah, man, that's so fucking crazy. Damn. Yeah, I'm not going to keep reading this. So, uh, that's essentially what a fecal transplant is. Back to the original article, fecal transplant. Now we know what that is. Treatments could transmit monkeypox, FDA warns. You know, fecal transplant treatments could infect patients with monkeypox, the uh, US FDA has warned. Since May, an outbreak of monkeypox in blah, 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 17,000 people with the virus transmitted through close physical contact with symptomatic individuals. Uh, Or uh, rubbing yourself uh, vigorously like a scrubbing brush up against infected anal lesions until they burst and you rub your skin raw to where the popped lesions can infect your skin. And after that, do not take a shower. Do not put any bleach on it. Just let it marinate in there. If you're trying to catch the monkeypox, of course. And you were in a non-sexual situation with somebody that you live with who um, has monkeypox. And you, for some reason, wanted to get it. Uh, Monkeypox virus DNA has been found in rectal swabs and stool samples from infected people, the FDA said. And it's alert, which was issued this week. That includes one study where monkeypox virus was found in three people who reported no symptoms of the disease, agency said. FDA is advising the clinical use of FMT, fecal microbiota, for transplantation, what we talked about in the last one, has the potential to transmit monkeypox virus, the alert said. As a result, the FDA has recommended donor screening for clinical trials involving fecal transplants if the study involves stool donated on or after March 15, 2022. 
Patients should also be informed of the monkeypox risks, the agency added. Yeah, let them motherfuckers know that they could get by injecting this fecal matter via liquid enema or colonoscope, there is a potential they could contract the monkeypox. And so they're going to have to explain to their partner that, look, dude, I'm part of the 3% that um, that got it from not having sex with somebody in the street or rubbing up against them vigorously like a scrub brush. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's something crazy to think about. Um, with that, I'm going to pretty much shut it down. You know, for real, um, you know, go to first form, one S T P H O R M dot com slash Elliot E L L I O T A C E S and uh, get you some Optic Greens 50, get you some Microfactor, get your gut health right. Right? Microfactor is an efficacious dose, um, you know, of an array of micronutrients to get. Get you out of the deficiency and into the black. Um, Everything you need. uh, EPA, DHA pill, CoQ10 for heart health, uh, probiotics for gut health, fruits and veggies. Um, It is the bee's knees, and I guarantee you if you take it for a week, you will feel more energy throughout the day. Same with OptiGreens 50. Impact your gut health. Double down. Get the Opti, Opti Reds 50. Have them both. Chock full of antioxidants. A billion colony forming units of fucking good bacteria all up in your gut with every fucking one. Every serving. Get after it. You know, if you, um, if you train at places like Method MMA where these dudes are seriously getting after it, I'm telling you it's a good fucking thing that I'm not a complete idiot, and I I took my four-joint mobility and uh, went in there amped, ready to rock. You know, felt, other than all of the smishing, I felt great. felt great. You know, took my triple serving of um, full mega, uh, mega hot-concentrated omega-3 uh, fish oil product. You know, not your daddy's fish oil, not the big $20 fucking Walmart. Give you greasy shits. Um, give you some fucking fish oil burps. This is real deal, efficaciously dosed with, um, you know, all made from real wild caught fish. Not no factory farm uh, fake sockeye salmon. Okay, we're talking about real fucking fish from the Pacific Northwest. You know, real fucking omega-3s. This shit helps with everything. Long-term joint health, uh, cognitive function, heart health. You know, I don't get three to five servings of fresh-caught fish every day. You know, so something to fucking help me out. Get all the micrograms of fucking everything that I just mentioned. You know, um... First form energy drinks kept me going this whole time. My favorite's Blue Raz. I do like the Citrus Sunrise. Definitely got um, big Mountain Dew vibes from it. You know, not the same, so don't go into thinking that, but very good, genuinely good. Um, did not forget it at the gym. You know, I was uh, definitely pumped on that. So, um, 
yeah. The uh, first form energy drinks. If you're uh, looking to uh, be involved in a community and start uh, sharing your wins, your losses, learn some things, interact with me directly. Um, you know, you can go to facebook.com slash group slash team never tap. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't tap. Um, when doing jujitsu, it is okay to tap. Please tap the more tap frequently, uh, tap early, tap often. That's a little phrase. It's a good phrase for anybody that's a fucking maniac. Um, you can go, uh, to the first form app, first form dot app slash Elliot Aces, I believe. Download the app, add me as your advisor. And uh, we can get after it, and I'll help get you some fucking results, because that's what I give a shit about. For real. Um, With that being said, with that being said, um, got some cool stuff in the works. Not going to even bring it up real until it's more locked in. Uh, But it's going to be a good fucking time, a good experience for those who, um, you know, are uh, into some combat sports. Um, I appreciate you. Love you. You guys have a great one. Baltimore out.